We're back from vacation. Yes. Again, we've both traveled a couple times this summer already. But while we were gone, the internet kept rolling. And did you happen to catch the announcement that the CEO of Instagram, Adam Masseri, made on his on his account. On his yep. account. Did you happen to catch that while you yeah. were away? Yeah. Okay. If anyone listening to this doesn't use Instagram, doesn't know who this person is, I'll, <laughs> I'll drop in like a little clip of it so you can uh, hear it. And the idea is that a more full screen experience, not only for videos, but for photos, might be a more fun, engaging experience. But I also want to be clear, it's not yet good. And we're going to have to get it to a good place if we're going to ship it to the rest of the Instagram community. The second thing I'm hearing a lot of concerns about right now are photos and how we're shifting to video. Now, I want to be clear. We're going to continue to support photos. It's part of our heritage. You know, I love photos. I know a lot of you out there love photos too. That said, I need to be honest. I do believe that more and more of Instagram is going to become video over time. We see this even if we change nothing. We see this even if you just look at chronological feed. If you look at what people share on Instagram, that's shifting more and more to videos over time. If you look at what people like and consume and view on Instagram, that's also shifting more and more to video over time, even when we stop changing anything. So we're going to have to lean into that shift. I hate to admit how much I enjoyed watching this train wreck unfold. <laughs> Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Steve. And this is a podcast for creatives. Two friends talking about the complex, messy, and beautiful experience that is being a creative. He got an enormous amount of negative feedback, which yeah. was all visible because it was in, in the comment section because it was on social media. So did you, in addition to watching it, did you happen to read through some of the comments? I did. And, uh, you know, it's not surprising just because, like, I feel like go, take any change that's happened on any social network. Everybody always has a problem with it whenever it's rumored or whenever it first gets rolled out. So it, it felt at the start, at least very, like, predictable. Mm -hmm. um, but then it but then it just kept coming. And, and it, it was um, it, it kind of turned into its own, like, crisis moment. Yeah, like celebrities got involved. Kylie Jenner and, and one of the Kardashians, you know, were tweeting like, bring, you know, bring back the old Instagram, make Instagram Instagram again. And I was just in that one, you know, once the day that it was posted and then the day after, I kept going back and reading those comments because I felt so validated because I felt the same way. I mean, I didn't leave my own comment, but I was just like, yes, like nobody wants this. Everyone wants mm -hmm the old Instagram back and I was just kind of like flabbergasted at like how could the CEO of Instagram look at this comment section which was very robust we will link to it in the show notes and pretty much I would say like 99% unanimous so how could he possibly move forward with this big change knowing that his all of his users don't want it. Steve, when you first signed up for Instagram, like how would you describe the app to a friend? As photo sharing, um, you know, it was it was to me, I I really just felt like it was a place for um moments, um some artistic level of of, you know, with with filters and 
things that you can kind of do to give things a, a, a really sort of artistic, um, you know, give your photos more of an artistic look. Um, it felt like it, 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 it almost felt like it professionalized what you could originally do with Facebook where it had a little bit more of a, of a creative, um, center to it. And I think that's why a lot of us sort of fell in love with it early on was because it, it, it was pure photo sharing. The elements were different. There were, there, you know, there wasn't, there weren't, I mean, it was a double tap. It wasn't a button to like something, you know, a double tap on Facebook meant you were zooming in on the photo. A double tap on Instagram meant that you liked it. It almost like encouraged you or baited you into the act of this is how we like things on Instagram because we're going to take something that's so inherent to you and what you do on other platforms and we're going to do it like this here. I thought it was a new way to to bring photo sharing into into this new, you know, digital era. When we signed up for Instagram, we signed up because this was a photo app. So this would be like us going to a pizzeria, finding this pizzeria that we love and going all the time and then, you know, a few years into it, a taco place opens up next door. And it's doing really well. So the pizza place is like, you know what? We're going to start serving tacos instead. But that's not why we're going there. And this was kind of what the uproar was with all of these make Instagram. Instagram, again, is that people still want to just share photos. If we want to watch videos, we will go to TikTok. But the phrase that I keep hearing Adam Masseri use is like, videos is where the market is going and we can't do anything about that which to me just sounds like an excuse for tiktok is doing better than us and we need to do the Mm -hmm. same thing as them but what ended up happening was a few days after (laughs) all of those comments and all of those posts were going around he came back with a a second video uh that said okay we heard you. We are going to revert back to the original feed. He did not say, he didn't meet all of our demands. He didn't say we're going back to photos only, but he did say we're going to get rid of the, you know, the videos taking over your whole feed. I I don't think I had ever seen something happen in this really public way where there was such a backlash. And then them, they actually like did something about it. But like kind of in today's, you know, world where we can see everything, I don't think that they really had a choice because it wasn't just the users that were seeing this happening, but I imagine like stockholders and, you know, yeah, important right. corporate people that are saying like, dude, you're we're, we're going to like lose our audience. We can't just go on data if everyone is saying, no, we don't want this. Yeah, and good on them for for at least you know listening and adjusting some of it. Um, it it does you know again they were in a precarious position and in many ways their users almost you know to, to steal a, a a Billy Joel line like the users almost had them by the short ones because it's like you know yes you're right Tic Tac is killing you in this in this area um, you know that it seems like the move that all of these companies tend to make is to do everything that, that, that the leader at the time is doing so as to, you know, muddy the water a little bit or, or, or gray area things. But 
you know, they really didn't have a choice, I think, in this in this case, that their users were saying, we're going to do this. And if, unless you want it to get any worse, unless you want that disparency between you and, and TikTok to get worse, it's, it was probably the wise business decision at this point in time to listen. Have you ever had a project or an initiative that you thought was going to go great and be received really well, but then when you actually put it out there, the opposite happened? There hasn't been many that in, 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 in my industry that we've put something out there and we've gotten back a lot of negative feedback. Um, a lot of times because it's education and, and, and in New York state, for those of you who don't know, you know, residents, taxpayers vote on on school budgets. So, um, you know, they they are the ones deciding whether or not the budget for the district for the following year passes or fails. Um, so it's the ultimate form of of democracy. So sometimes if you're doing something uh, as, as in a, you know, as a piece of content and you're trying to add some elements of of humor or engagement or whatever it is, and a community member is not in the right mindset or doesn't really care to see that or thinks that tax dollars could be spent differently, that's usually what we end up hearing is, is this really the best use of this? Or, you know, this, this district has so many other problems. Why are we focusing, you know, those types of things, uh, you know, silence is usually to me, like, like lack of engagement on things that I think are good. That part hurts, you know, and then, cause that's like, there's no direction there. I mean, you might say like, okay, silence should tell you it wasn't good, but not always. So I think that always leads to more, more confusion and more internal conversation about like, oh boy, or, or, or consistently, are we on the right path here or, or, or did we miss something along the way? Oh, I feel like you just hit on a pain point for me. I feel like I've always really struggled with knowing what to do with data. Like I know I have all the like, you know, Instagram business tools, but I look at it and I'm like, what, you know, what am I supposed to do with this? Because I always think that there are like all of these other factors at play as to like why something worked or didn't work. And I just always kind of feel like I'm playing a guessing game, which is why anyone who's on my email list knows that I'm obsessed with sending surveys. I probably send out like, you know, five or six surveys or more every year because the data can say one thing, but you know, we don't really know the nuances of uh, why things happen, especially like on platforms that we're not in control of. And I would rather like just hear in someone's words what they think about something. That's so much easier for me to, to like process and understand and, and do something with. In, in your like work work in your job do you look at data to make decisions about the types of content that you're going to put out yeah it's a part of it but i've always thought and this is where i can be a little bit more introspective with my abilities i always think data um data is only as good as the person interpreting it like or or that person's uh goals to begin with so if you want to do something and you're getting data that that tells you something different Depending upon how you are as a person, either you're going to sit there and go, huh, I missed the mark or these people are wrong. We need to continue down this path. Either way, like it's only as good as the person interpreting it, their mind space and where they are. So it's a part of it for for social content. Um, you know, one of my favorite sayings is um, 
that, that I've heard is, um, you know, community is built in the comments and data of, of how many likes and how many people saw this and, and how long they watched it for and all this other stuff is, is a really small part of what I, I, I factor in. I know, I, I know people who go whole hog on, you know, oh, they watched it for this long and that means they saw this much. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know what they took away from it. You can't, you can't project what they took away from it. Um, but when they've taken that action to actually leave a human feeling reaction in the comment section, good or bad, connecting with or positive or negative, I should say, but connecting with other people or or amplifying other people's feelings, whether again positive or negative, you start to see what your community is like around that piece of content around your brand. Um, and it gives you a little bit more of a, in my term, not just a, a, a better um, feel, and I use that word literally, a better feel for where they are with you and how they're interpreting what you're talking about or what you're sharing. But it also gives them a chance to sort of connect with one another too. I think for Instagram, it was definitely on the negative side of things where not only were people leaving negative comments, but because of, of, the nature of interacting with other people's comments, whether you're liking it or whether you're retweeting it because, you know, they were sure people were connecting in a very negative way. Well, people were connecting in a way about uh, piling on Instagram, in which case they probably got some joy out of it. But that's not what Instagram wants. So you could see where that was like, OK, hold it. We have pissed these people off enough that we're changing it. The last thing we can do is like not pay attention to them because they're just going to continue to peel off and 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 ascend to to into full TikTok mode. I have never liked so many comments. I don't think I've ever liked. I'm not a big like liker in the comments. I liked so many of the comments in that thread. That was the part that used to always kill me. Like in the early days of social media, when I would write something that I thought was like funny, and somebody would leave like a snarky comment in response, and then like six of your friends would like that person's comment and you're just like, man, get out of here. Like, you know, and then you start getting like a complex about yourself. But that, I mean, like, and that's just on a personal thing, like for a big business decision that's, you know, where, where, you know, money is attached to these things. Like, yeah, I could see that being a problem for sure. So you talked about paying attention to, to the comments, which I think is great. I, I am a huge proponent. I know I already mentioned like surveys, but like, doing everything that you can to like try to get a conversation going to try to get to know the people in your communities. Um, do you have any other like methods that you've tried to try to get like actual real people's thoughts? Well, a lot of it, I think is, I don't do a lot of asking, you know, flat out, like, what do you, what do you want to see more of? Or, and, and it doesn't mean that that's not a good strategy for, 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 for a brand. You know, there's a lot of of understanding of your audience, where they're coming to you from, what they expect of you as a brand. You know, I think that's part of the questioning that sort of helps any brand is being aware of where your customer or where your audience is coming from and what their needs are. And then what do you do to meet those needs? Because if you can match that that desire with something that can be fulfilled, 
then when you create the content around it, you can hit those touch points, you know, as frequently as you can that are, that's going to garner some of those emotional responses. Um, you know, to me, I always think back, uh, to an example that I, I was, um, I came across a number of years ago. It's a district that's up in Canada, a school district that's up in Canada. Um, so not one that, that I work directly with, but I knew the, um, communications, uh, director in that district. She had shared this with me. So it was the first day of school and a mom had, this was her youngest child. So her baby was starting, uh, kindergarten, I believe pre-care kindergarten. I think it was kindergarten. So this is her last, you know, her last child. She's gone through this twice before. So you would think on the surface, like, okay, no big deal. Right. Just, you know. But she was really having a rough morning with it emotionally. And, you know, the, 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 the kid was obviously nervous, too. And she got to the front door of the school and the vice principal was there and met her um, and just happened to be there in that moment and um, said good morning and greeted the young boy and took the boy by the hand, sensing the situation and said to the mom, like, it's going to be OK. And, you know, took the son. He said goodbye. And he walked down the hallway with the son hand in hand to the boy's classroom. And the mom had taken a photo as the vice principal and the boy were walk walking down the hallway from behind of them holding hands. She got home. She took to social media and she wrote a post about how she was feeling all day and how, you know, you would think it was silly to feel this way. She's done this twice before. Plus, she has, you know, sisters and brothers who have kids like we've all gone through this. But this one was really hitting her hard. And it was in this moment that. This vice principal came in and took her son by the hand. And, and, and in that moment, you know, it was beyond just taking him to his classroom. It was showing that he was going to be respected, that he wasn't going to be judged by the color of his skin or any of his interests or anything like that. And, you know, she was able to relax and she was able to 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 feel good about something that she was so distraught and so nervous about. Um there's so many things off of that. It's the greatest first day of school story I've ever heard. And it was not told by anybody in communications for the district. It was told by this mom. The, the district saw it, shared it, shared in it, but didn't tell the story originally. But on top of it, it was this vice principal understanding where this, this mom was in that moment and what we can do to help that. And in all th throughout all of that, she took that story out to her her social circle on social media, other parents saw it, other parents share it. That then becomes what this district in, in, in one part or another is, is sort of identified with, which is supporting families, being there for kids, doing the right thing. That's what I think it's what we're all trying to do with our brand is understanding where people are, what their needs are, and where you fit in, in, in there with your product in terms of how to meet that, uh, you know, how to meet that need. Because when it's done the right way, when you tell the story, when you create the content, it's so identifiable that those brand advocates, your tribe, you know, they see it and they go, oh, that's that's me you're talking about. Like that's that's yeah, I'm that parent, too. I feel the same way. So, to, you know, when, when you say, like, are there ways to listen? I think it's being aware of how people are coming to you and what they're looking for and what you do to sort of meet those needs. Um as effectively as possible. That is such a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. Also timely, like back to school soon right? yeah. here in Florida no, already I, happening. That's right. Yeah. I heard about that. Yeah. I saw some photos from friends of mine down Those there. So crazy people in Florida going back to school in August, August, 100 <laughs> degrees. Good luck. 
But what I love most about that story is that the vice principal, I'm sure, was prepared for that first day of school and I'm sure had like things in he or she's head that they had to do to, you know, to welcome the kids back. And, you know, maybe even there were like checklists and protocols. And I feel like that's kind of the version of of data. And I feel like so many people online are like obsessed with being like efficient. Like we have to plan all our content. We have to look at the data and we have to make our decisions like to a point where we are like missing these moments and we're, we're missing people who are like coming to us or maybe not even coming to us. Maybe they're in, you know, in someone else's comments section and you see it and then you don't do anything about it. But people who who need help and we can be the people, not always, but if, if we can, we should do something about it. And like that is so much more powerful than uh, I need to post this on Tuesday at 8 a.m. because the analytics say that's when, you know, it would be most efficient. Right. I think it's really hard to to only be looking at data and letting that sort of drive your decisions when it comes to the creation and scheduling and posting and uh, an assessment of, of your content. I, I know people who are very, very into data and, you know, it's it almost it almost disallows them from considering other ways of doing things. Um, and that's, that's fine if that's what you really believe is what's at the heart of it. But more often than not, we've said this from day one of this podcast, social is human. It's human. And if you really believe that, then data can only be a certain percentage point of, of, of how you assess and how you build it can only be a factor a small a, a, a part a part factor because if we're talking about humans and we're talking about emotions and we're talking about how we are in moments that changes wildly day to day you don't know where somebody is in the moment when they're consuming something whether it's yours or somebody else's so it's it's hard to to quantify all of that um through a through a, an analytics report or, or or something along those lines, you know, oftentimes you see accounts, you know, professional sports teams or whatever it is, um, you know, uh, musicians. Billy Joel, good example. We, you know, second time we're dropping him this episode. <laughs> um, I'm dropping him this episode. Um, does a show, and the next night or next next morning, there's the set list from the night before. You weren't there. <laughs> you didn't hear any of these songs, right? Every time I'm like, oh, what did he? What was the order? What did yeah, he? What did yeah. he? What did he lead off with? What was the close like? And because every one of those songs has has something in them for you, there's there's something that you're connected with. A sports, a professional sports team, you know, it's opening day, and you know, anyone ready for football? I don't know, something generic, something like that will, I guarantee you, would explode because of where somebody is in the moment. And I think that's that's part of the, you know, one of my it's not a, it doesn't come from a great story, but one of my favorite examples from the last last year uh, or two rather was one of our school districts that we work with had um, very tragically had a student um, uh, complete suicide. And um, the. Uh, you know, it, it rattled the community, uh, as 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 you would imagine, and um 
very astutely um, our our um, digital content specialists in that district, you know, laid off of social media for for a couple of days because um, what are you going to put up there, right? That's you know that's any bigger or more important than what 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 just happened to this you know with this this student passing away. Um, so I believe at the conclusion of the week when it happened, um, it was leading into like, um, midwinter break or spring break or something like that. And the district really hadn't said anything on any of its social channels for a number of days, um, you know, out of, out of respect for the student, student's family and, and, and students in general, the district community. Um, but it's leading into break and you know, you're going to be probably quiet the following week anyway, in terms of creation of content and what have you. So, um, our, our digital, um, specialists in that district had this great, um, drone footage shot of, of the campus. And I'm going to paraphrase what it, what it actually said, but it was at the conclusion of school on Friday. So about like three 4 o'clock on Friday and an Instagram story had just posted, the photo and, and, um, put a black and white filter on it and just had, you know, text on there very plainly that just said, take good care of yourself and each other. And that was the piece of content for really for the week leading into the break. Everybody knew in this, in the community, what that was about. Um, but you know, you can't do that for every type of moment, right? So it's like, it's knowing where your community is, where your audience is in the moment where their needs are, how you can meet those needs emotionally, how you can reinforce it's, it's going to be okay. We are here for you all. You know, that's how that piece of it is done. And, you know, to me, you could get great engagement, you know, shares of, of, of the story within someone else's story and, and, any type of engagement and comments back and reactions to it. And you can look at that data and say, oh, this is phenomenal. But the chance of that type of thing happening again in that moment that you can glean anything from, it's almost like what you glean data from is we we take it so specifically, but it really is the most baseline data that you can get on anything because everything that you're creating is so varied. Um, even though we're talking about consistency and approach, consistency and feel, consistency and look, your, your, your content opportunities can look differently depending upon what you're trying to accomplish. So that's how, you know, in that moment, going back to that example, that was the right thing for that moment, because in your gut, you knew that's what was needed. You didn't need anybody to tell you that. Um, I'm just always reminded of that moment. I'm glad that you reminded me and our audience of, you know, what we said in, in episode one and probably a million times since, which is that social is human. Um, you know, I, the way I said it earlier, I kind of made it sound like, oh, those people who are like, you know, the planners who want to have the, you know, the content plan. I am, I am that person. The reason I sounded so like, you know, annoyed by it is because I'm annoyed with myself, but being reminded that social is human is so powerful because I think that it's it's an underrated skill for anyone who does any kind of content work or or social work because if we take social media out of it and you just think about people in your life the text messages that are coming into your phone every day is different and you can't really plan for how you're going to wake up that day or how the people in your life are going to wake up that day or the things that come into your life that are out of your control. And, you know, we can 
plan all we want, but I think the people that are the most successful are the ones who are able to, you know, we hear this phrase, all if you go on Twitter, you'll see this all the time, read the room or, you know, take in what's going on on that day and be able to pivot your content to like meet the needs of, of whatever that is. And sometimes, like just in the example that you shared, the answer is pulling your content down and, and doing nothing and just having silence for a few days. I think if everyone did that a little bit more, the internet would be a better place. Yeah, and it's so obvious to me now that it was the right thing to do in that moment. And I probably would have even said at the time, yeah, that's the right call. But it was a risk, mm -hmm. you know? Like it was a risk that we were putting out there that maybe people weren't ready to hear, you know, a there, there kind of a not that that's what it was, but mm -hmm. that's sort of a, a feel to it. So data doesn't tell you to take risks, though. Like data doesn't tell you this is where you need to put your foot on the on, on the pedal a little bit more like it's it tells you a small percentage piece, but it doesn't give you the this is the moment to do this. Um at least the way it's sort of structured. I think in, 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 in so many industries, whether or not you're trying to justify it to yourself as a small business owner, or whether or not you have a boss and you're trying to prove that, you know, things are going however you say they're going well, okay. I think data becomes a little bit of a, of a distraction ultimately to what matters. You know, we, we, we export these numbers out and um, you know, this is, this is what they're supposed to mean. This is how they tie back to what we do. And it looks good because, you know, these are figures and it's, and it's from somewhere else besides me saying everything is great. Look, it's, you know, it's data, but like, while we have to understand that it matters, it needs to be paired to the context. And I think so many times I've seen, at least in my industry, cause that's what I can speak to, you know, education is a left brain industry. It's a lot of data and policy and this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, I think they look to that as justification, but it doesn't, it doesn't tell you everything. And I think if you're coming in specifically building out these data reports and doing all of these things, like it, they're going to look and go, yeah, it sounds great. It looks great. But when you can make a difference and, and show them the results of, you know, that, that, that opportunity in that district after the student, you know, passed away, like that shows a whole different, uh, it shows a whole different, um, piece of the conversation that you're missing. If you're only looking at it from, from a data centric point of view. Do you know what this conversation just makes me keep thinking of the episode of the office where Michael and Dwight are driving and they have the GPS on and they are <laughs> approaching a body of water and it is yes. Dwight, right? Michael's driving. Yeah. Dwight's in the passenger seat. Okay. Yeah. And Dwight keeps saying, like, Michael, stop. Like, we, you know, we're we're approaching a body of water. You need to stop the car. And Michael's saying, no, but the, the GPS says we need to go straight here. We need to keep going. And he listens. And they end up, the car ends up in a, you know, in a lake. And in I feel lake. like that is the perfect analogy for only listening to the data and not taking the circumstances that are right in front of your face into consideration when you're making your decisions. I'm so glad you shared that example because that is one of my favorite moments from that series. And like Michael's 
because the larger context is Ryan Howard's trying to get everybody to to do sales through the website and and forego these client meetings and all these other things. And Michael's convinced that that's where that's where the bread is buttered. Like you go to these client meetings, you build relationships, you get them in the door, and that's how you you know develop these partnerships. And he, he is just dying to prove himself throughout this entire episode that this is the right way to do it. And while I think logically you look at something and you go, well, yeah, technology, this is the way things are going. This, you know, it's a paper business. This is fading out. You know, deep down inside, Michael's right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, this is where the, 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 the differences are set apart between company or provider and provider. Uh, I love that, that example, because I, I feel the same way. And data can tell you something, but it cannot pair things back to the bigger piece of the context of what you're trying to, to accomplish. If you've enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word on social media. Tag us at Pod4Creatives and let us know what stood out to you. Do you remember your first Instagram post? What it was? I remember one of the first was I was at a Barnes and Noble and there was a woman walking around with a t-shirt that said Stephen King rules on it. And I remember like very uh, uh, sneakily like taking this photo like behind a bookshelf of her of her shirt <laughs> and posting that on Instagram. I can't remember if that was my exact first one, but it's definitely within the first like two or three. It was really uncomfortable. Like I've learned not to like do that anymore, but <laughs> but it was too obvious. So I figured what the hell. Oh, I take pictures of strangers all the time. Do you really? In a sneaky way. I'm better at, the, at it than yeah, you are. That's true. I suppose like peering out behind a bookshelf to do it is probably a little bit more on the nose if you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. I wish I had been there taking a video, like a story of it on the other side of you taking the photo of the person like, that's sneaking by the bookshelf. Do, if you're trying to, if you're going to try to sneak doing something, peering out behind a bookshelf is probably the worst thing. It's like the most prototypical sneaky thing that you can do. <laughs> I think, I'm pretty sure this was my first one, was um, of a, a pretty like pink flower bush at at Disney World at um, the Beach Club, which is like, Instagram has changed, but I haven't. Like, that's a, a photo that I would still post today. Um, and then another one was of, um, I made these like, of course I remember this because it's food related. The next two are food related. Red velvet cookies like sandwich cookies yeah and then the other one was of a sign again typography something that i would and something old old fashioned that i was still post today it was of the original frank pepe's pizza in new haven and this was are you familiar with with frank pepe's uh i'm familiar with new haven uh new haven pizza so uh but, but maybe not Frank Pepe's, no. Okay, so oh, I'm surprised by this. So this is like one of the like iconic pizza places in New Haven, Connecticut. And when I took the photo, it was like the only one that existed. But since then, it has like become a franchise, I guess. And now they're like all over uh, New England. So I'm surprised that you weren't passing big billboards for it when you went to Rhode Island. Yeah, I don't really tend to look at things. But uh, oh, you don't look at the road when you drive. <laughs> well, not the billboards. I mean, like, it's if it's not like in my backyard, I'm probably gonna be like, oh, there's this two and a half hours from where I live. So yeah. okay, well, next time you go back to Rhode Island, 
stop at one of the like 20 Frank Pepe's that you will pass. Okay. It is okay. excellent. And I think all of our Connecticut listeners, our our podcast cousins, the We Need to Be Doing This podcast hosts would all back me up on this. Okay. I'm sure they would. <laughs> anyway. A lot of eaters there, so. <laughs> Are they? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Talk, we talk about burgers a lot with Keith. So oh, that's true. That's I assume, true. I assume he's eating pizza. Before so he too. must eat other food. Right, right. That was the clue. That was my first hint. 